Hello fellow time travelers, I'm Tony Witt with the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the podcast in which we undertake the insert adjective here task of discussing in story order all of the Doctor Who novelizations. I'm joined by... Dalton Hughes. And by... Alison Fitzsafrey. And we record our episodes twice a month. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. How's it going? It's going good. Yeah? It's been, uh, yeah, it's been crazy around here as ever, but uh, at the moment, everyone in my household is not diseased in some way. Like, we, we, we're all healthy for the first time in like six weeks, which is... Oh, nice. You know, so, some kind of minor miracle this winter for yeah. some reason. I think, it's, I think it's the weather or something this year. It just seems like, um, I don't know, maybe it's just not getting cold enough for long enough that, you know, it's like germs are running rampant around here or something they uh... they're here and i know a couple couple weeks ago maybe going on a month and a half ago now i made some comment about how uh last year in between christmas and new year's well i should say 2017 going into 2018 between christmas and new year's i um uh came down with a really bad flu and my wife came down with the flu and our daughter came down with the flu and it was and our, our son somehow didn't right but we all had the flu during those awkward days in between Christmas and New Year's, and this year, uh, I did it again. But it was—it yeah, only yeah, lasted yeah. <laughs> like a day, so maybe it was just a quick viral thing, not a true flu. Um, yeah, but I had one of those right after Thanksgiving. Um, I think we canceled a podcast recording then too. But um, yeah, it was like forty-eight hours at the most, and even only twenty-four of it being really bad, and then you know, from then it was over. So. But when it was bad, it was it was not fun. <laughs> no, no, no. Luckily this year, mine was just a 24-hour thing. When my daughter got it, it was the same. It was like a 24-hour thing. Just 24 hours of misery and just sitting on the couch watching, see how many times I can watch Infinity War over and over again. But <laughs> it's like, oh, it's on Netflix now. I guess we're going to just settle here on the couch for a day or two. But it, it luckily it went away. So, But glad everybody is... Uh, is doing good there at the homestead that sounds awesome especially after the winter you guys have had <laughs> yeah so far it's not been a fun one but um hopefully that is all behind us now awesome so we'll see well one other thing that uh is always kind of a chore to sit through are movies that were really really popular when they first came out and you watch <laughs> them again years later and you can't understand why and one such film is the one that we're going to be discussing tonight and this is the nineteen. And what film is, is the nineteen ninety one American action comedy film Hudson Hawk? Oh, it 
a shot. Girl, can I ask you a question? How do I look? Like a fraternity thing? <laughs> I just got out of jail yesterday. I didn't want to steal anything. I didn't want to go to Europe. All I wanted was a cappuccino. You still think you're the greatest cat burglar that's ever lived? You are one hell of a thief. Hudson Hawk is an evil, evil man. I'm just some guy that's good at swiping stuff. Eddie, we're hanging off a castle in the middle of Italy, and you're asking me how you look? Okay, okay, you don't gotta get tacky about it. We're gorgeous, you look like a Zorro. Well, I didn't know. Buongiorno. Yeah, buongiorno. Maybe you could help me. I'm being blackmailed into robbing the Vatican by a psychotic American corporation and the CIA. I don't, uh... <laughs> you don't speak English? You have very beautiful eyes for a man. I got a bad feeling. I can't even swim. Hell, Paul will probably kill you. Oh, I was afraid you weren't going to drop by. You made me it in. Doing the sports stuff and ended up swiping the codex. Yeah, but what are your plans for the weekend? Posting away the Coliseum? Can't we just go back to the kissing part? Life doesn't get much better than this. Yeah, this one stars uh, Bruce Willis, Danny Aiel, yeah. Andy McDowell, James Coburn, David Caruso, Frank Stallone, Sandra Bernhardt, Richard E. Grant. Lorraine's saying this is a huge cast. One of those movies from like this era that like, and we've watched a couple, we've, we've talked about this before a couple of times on the podcast. There's like where you're going, like the, the credits are going and you're just like, whoa, I know every name of every actor in this movie. Like this, everybody in this movie is somebody who is, you know, recognizable and like a A-list, you know, actor. Yep. And then, so, then you watch the whole thing and it's, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I have I have no uh, hesitation in in going into this review, saying yeah, I did not care for this movie at all. But yeah, you know, I I think I said a week or two ago that I had never seen this movie, and once I started watching it, I believe I actually have seen at least portions of this film before. Some of it was familiar to me. Um, I don't know, like it's. I actually didn't hate it. I actually thought some of it was kind of funny, and uh, I'm pretty sure I would have hated it if I watched it, you know, back at the time when, mm-hmm. uh, not in 1991. 1991, I I liked anything that had, you know, I probably would have been okay with it. I might have gotten bored by it actually at that age, but yeah. Um, well, the basic plot for it, for anybody who hasn't seen it, is Bruce Willis plays a cat burglar who is forced to steal Leonardo da Vinci works of art for a world domination plot. Um, Yes. So this, this this movie, oh gosh, as I as I messaged to you Let, earlier today when we were preparing for this, this movie reminded me how much I really don't care for Sandra Bernhardt. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sandra Bernhardt's always a hard pill to swallow. Although I think in this movie she was perfect for the role she played, but um, I actually just saw her the other day in the wonderful Sesame Street film Follow That Bird, um, where she plays a waitress at a Grouch restaurant. Um, 
just weird because you mentioned Sandra Bernhardt and I haven't seen her in years and just in one week saw her in two movies. So, oh, wow. Uh, interesting. So, yeah, this one um, just feels like everybody in it, and I get this is the characters, but just the characters are annoying to me because it's, everybody's just trying to over ham up each other. Oh, yeah. Everyone's chewing the scenery in this movie. I mean, I, it, it had to be an intention. Like, Michael yeah. uh, Lehman who directed the film was kind of riding high off of the success of his previous film, Heather's, which was a critical major success for him. And, um, it's got, I mean, he's, he's not, he's not a, a schlub, you know, nobody film director. He knows what he's doing. So, I mean, I think that's exactly what they were going for. I feel like they were trying to do something, uh, whether they were successful. I mean, I think everyone would agree they were not successful with it, but, um, I think they were trying to do something that invoked kind of old-fashioned kind of uh, action comedies, um, but also old-fashioned adventure films, right? So uh, I think this has a lot to... Here's a good way to kind of put it. This would make a great third film in a triple feature event that kind of that would feature The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, Big Trouble in Little China, and Hudson Hawk. I think all of these three movies have kind of, and this is definitely the, the weakest in my opinion of those three films, but they all have that kind of like surreal, larger than life sense of, um, I don't know, and they're all kind of like old fashioned adventure films, right? And yeah. in, in a lot of ways, like, um, I don't know, they are what they are and uh well hudson I mean, hawk is I, I, it, I, I, and hudson hawk of the three films i just mentioned is my least favorite but i yeah. i do think it is weird enough and quirky enough and uh funny enough at points that it can be enjoyed i don't think it's I, as I, bad as everybody said it was when it came out in 1991 like this is another one of those like they were crucifying these people the people involved in making this film at the point when it came out um I was convinced as a kid that Hudson Hawk was like a big, famous, popular movie because they had a Nintendo game based on it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, well, and it was really heavily marketed. I remember, I remember it being, you know, I remember the commercials. I remember they were really, you know, a lot of action and stuff like that. You know, the the poster for it, catch the excitement, catch the adventure, catch the hawk, and it's him swinging on a rope. I mean, this is Bruce Willis, action star. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I like the movies you mentioned, like, would go into a, a triple feature, you know, or more, right? <laughs> I would throw Last Action Hero in there, too. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. all of these are kind of, you're right, these kind of off the wall. I would say Big Trouble Little China is probably the most, most just linear and simple story, you know? it's a, I agree <laughs> yeah. it's a big adventure, larger than life kind of thing, but... But it, it's yeah. You know, it's also got kind of this surreal. It does, yeah, like, yeah. But even just the the way the narrative is told, it's a pretty direct storyline. Hudson Hawk is pretty convoluted. Uh, you know, I, we, it is. When we talked about Buckaroo Banzai, it's in it's it is too right. It's this big weird sprawling. But with that one, it felt like more. It was with with Buckaroo Banzai, as we talked about when we we had Dan on the show. That one feels like a comic book that was brought to life, and you're just in it, right in the middle yeah. of it. You know, I would say Last yeah, Action Hero. Yeah, I think Hero, that's exactly what. Yeah. yeah, this felt like a movie trying to copy Buckaroo Banzai, but without really understanding that about Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, I think it has a lot in common with that movie, and that's why I kind of brought the two that brought yeah. them up. And is that it is an adventure film. It's it's. Uh, the term meta doesn't exist in 1991, right? But it 
and I don't know if that's the right term actually, but it's very self-aware. Like it knows that it's poking fun at itself in a lot of places. It knows that it's intentionally being silly. Um, and, but it is, it's, it's, it's based around, it's an adventure film based around a larger than life character. Like they're trying to create, you know, an interesting kind of quirky character in Hudson Hawk, which is Bruce Willis's cat burglar. That's his name in the film as well as the title of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, who, you know, is a potentially reformed coming out of prison at the beginning of the movie burglar who is drawn into this, you know, world domination plot from these couple of rich crazies. Um, trying to, you know, track down a secret machine that Leonardo da Vinci invented that will turn anything into gold. And um, there's an alchemy-like kind of subplot there, and there's a Catholic Church subplot there, you know, way prior to Dan Brown being involved in anything. And um, yeah, so it, it's got a lot of ambition, and it's, it's, it's self-aware enough that it pokes fun at itself. I mean, using kind of Bruce Willis, the, the character Hudson Hawk, to, to be the smart-ass poking fun at you know the movie itself um however i don't think he's ever interesting enough he's not buckaroo bonsai who is a character that is and i don't know if he's buckaroo bonsai is a character that's interesting enough because he's kind of shrouded in mystery a little bit he's this genius and he's this rock star and he's this you know all all these things and um so you kind of wonder he, he just kind of draws you in and i don't think hudson hawk has quite that um magnetism as a character Right, I don't think that's something that Bruce Willis did wrong. No, uh, necessarily. Like, I think he's actually pretty decent in this movie. He's, you know, he's Bruce Willis. He's he's fine. He, um, I think the support. I think the cast is generally really great. It's the it's the material that they're given. Um, whether you're you know into it or not, um, Richard E. Grant and Sandra Bernhardt are fantastic as like really cheesy classical like, um, over the top bad guys. You know, the villains like. Um, it's basically this scenery chewing, uh, evil doers from, you know, classic adventures. You basically, you, you could watch this movie with no sound on and you could get everything that they're, all of their actions would make total sense to you because they're so animated and over the top. I I think, Um, I think it's just the, what turned me off of it is the, I, I'm all. I think it's cool to you know movies that kind of poke fun at a certain subgenre that you don't see much anymore, right? But this one does it by intentionally over going over the top so often mm. that it it's exhausting. I think like within the first ten minutes of this movie, I was already getting exhausted of it. Um, so it was almost to me, it felt like it was almost a step too far, where. Oh, I didn't realize there's a sweet spot there for for you know uh, kind of parody that yeah. you can go too far where it's just a bit you know I guess derivative and then there's not enough and this this one's aiming for the middle and totally overshoots it. Yeah, yeah. I I think it I mean that I think that's a valid criticism in a lot of ways and I don't think it's a perfect movie mm-hmm. but I do think it works well enough at points that it's and it's funny enough at points, I think, that it there, there are moments where this movie works. Kind of like we talked about Drop Dead Fred last week. I have some of the same feelings. Totally different kind of kind of movie, but um, the inconsistency in them. So some of it works, some of it just doesn't work. And right. I do think that some of the like things that work in this movie are the things that kind of seem like they shouldn't work. Like the slapstick comedy in this movie actually works pretty well. I think the like gurney... Um, 
him driving the hospital gurney or the ambulance gurney mm-hmm. around on the street is actually a pretty hilarious scene. It's it's done really well. It's good. It's good physical or you know slapstick action humor. Um, there's a scene where they're paralyzed from the neck down. Um, that is potentially very hilarious. Like I thought they didn't quite utilize it well enough. Right. They should have had people, you know, really messing with them, posing them different ways. But anyway, um, it, it's, it was also a fairly funny scene. Um, I think there's a lot of chemistry between Bruce Willis and Danny Aiello or how do you, um, I don't know how you say his last name. Yeah. Aiello. Yeah. Yeah. There is. Um, I think they're good together. Like if, if, if you were to, you know, this was obviously, and this is why, again, I'm going to compare it to Buckaroo Banzai. It was a movie that was envisioned as a series. Like, they were going to start this off, and this was going to be a series of films. And they were going to establish these characters, and this was going to be like a universe-building type um, film. Mm-hmm. That was the idea behind it. That's what Bruce Willis and Robert Kraft wanted to do with it. Um, and similarly to Buckaroo Banzai, there was not a major response to it, and it kind of fizzled and died. So uh, I think, like I said, I think because it it could have been, I think doing the self-aware thing could have worked, but I think they just went too far with it. It's like, if you're going to do the, the kind of let's the self-aware genre stuff, that's fine. If you want to do like the, for some reason, now this is a goofy comedy, that's fine. But to do all of these things together was just too much. I think, um, I mean, did it get, did it get to you at the end where they, uh, did the um in the final fight scene they were doing fast motion like overcranked um looney tunes sound effects and like yeah fast motion yeah like that like... <laughs> if, if a movie wants to do a little bit of that that's cool but i think it's just it was all of the there's so many that, different I mean, ways of that was parroting. that's a good example of what you're talking about i think is that to me although i i admit i found it funny i was i was grinning at it but it was just didn't quite fit the style of the movie even even the style of this movie like it seemed like it was a but a bit above and beyond the humor the style of humor they were using um prior kind of kind of felt like it came out of nowhere like oh we're doing this looney tunes thing now okay like exactly and, and then it was gone so you know <laughs> and, and like the the last real gag that they have in the movie is you know they you think that uh you think that Tommy or Tan- Danielle's character is is yeah. dead and then you know cuz he blows up in a limo and then when they see him, they're like, how did you survive? And he gives them this, like, totally off the wall, like, oh, yeah, there were airbags and sprinkler systems inside of the limo. And Hudson just goes, yeah, sprinklers, why not? You know? So they're, yeah. they're totally <laughs> pointing out the self-awareness that this is, you know, all of your, the character that you like always survives because of some mm-hmm. whatever at the last minute that happened off screen. So those kind of gags are fine. All of the gags in this are fine. But there's just so many of them. And yeah, and it's it, kind of all over the place. It's, it's like the greatest the hits of like humor um, from our, I mean, yeah. right down to the, the gangsters they're running away from at the beginning of the film. Their, their names are the Mario Brothers. And um, yeah, like him there's asking, all kinds of like crazy you know, references to things in there. And then the, the plot itself is kind of insane. It's not Banzai insane, but it, it's it's getting close because it's... It starts off, you know, this movie actually starts in the, uh, you know, 1500s in, in Rome with Leonardo da Vinci designing this machine, which that scene did not need to be there whatsoever. We didn't no. need to see da Vinci. <laughs> like, I don't understand why it's there at all. Um, and it it's very, 
I don't know if it's very poorly produced, but it's not super believable as a historical flashback or whatever. Yeah. So I'm not sure why that didn't land on the cutting room floor. If it was me editing the film, that would that that entire opening sequence would be gone. There's plenty of exposition to get that this is you know what's going on later in the movie. Well, having William um, Conrad do do narration in the film too, yeah, right? Is and the storybook opening and closing, and the storybook and... opening and closing. And it's like, okay, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, okay, so you're gonna mimic one of those. Yeah. You're mimicking everything. It was just, it was. This was really like every kind of adventure movie you can have crammed into one film. And in I... this movie, as I was telling you before we started recording, this one took me three days to get through. Yeah, and it see, was... I didn't dislike it as much. I understand your credit, like what you're saying, like that. Your criticisms make total like sense to me, but there's something about it that I still found enjoyable. Like, and I'm not gonna get. I, I'm. We'll get to grades at the end, but I wouldn't necessarily give this movie like top marks or anything. But I did find it to be not the worst film ever. This, by the way, this is a Razzie. This film is the recipient of three Razzies. Uh, one for worst film, one the 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 big Razzie. And uh, also worst director to Michael Lehman and um, worst female supporting yeah. actress to Sandra Bernhardt. So, um, and none of them showed up to accept their awards, unfortunately. So, yeah, but, I wonder how often yeah. do people actually show up to their awards? I know Halle Berry ha- did for Catwoman. Halle Berry, yeah, famously showed up for Catwoman and and thanked everybody and took her award home. So uh, that was awesome. I thought that was a really uh class act move on her part so yeah you know i still have not seen that movie and i realize we haven't done a dc reference in a while so yeah there's that one um well i'm throwing it on the schedule because i haven't seen it either and if i'm gonna have to sit through it you're gonna have to sit through it all right deal but it can't i mean i've heard it's bad but and i don't know i've heard it's like like bad bad like i don't know i don't know but that's supposedly so is this movie and i kind of liked it so um I love James Coburn. James Coburn looks like he hates himself throughout this whole movie, but uh, like he literally has that look in his eyes, like "What the fuck am I doing in this movie?" Like, but... you know, it's last week we talked about Drop Dead Fred, and one thing I didn't mention then, but after sitting through this, <laughs> that movie, uh, Drop Dead Fred, you can tell when they were making it that people were having fun making it. In this one, this is supposed to be a movie that you would imagine they'd all be having a lot of fun, but it doesn't. It doesn't come off that way. It, I think everybody, yeah. most of the cast, feels awkward hamming it up like this. Yeah, I feel like Andy McDowell's a, a, a little bit that way in it as well. I feel like Bruce Willis and, and Danny Aho are all gung ho. They're they're good. They they they're having fun with it. Um, but then again, they're. You know, Bruce Willis is one of the writers on this thing, so right, right. So it's it's you know he's um, he's being exactly as as it was planned, right? But as far as everybody else, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if Richard E. Grant. I mean, Sandra Bernhardt seems to be really hamming it up, but I I don't know if I feel and, and Richard Grant as well. I don't know if I feel that they were confident in their performances. It doesn't come off convincing that they're really. Yeah, giving it a lot. You know, everything feels like you mentioned. James Coburn definitely feels like he's <laughs> he does. He just kind of looks like he's phoned it in this movie, and he's he's like one of my like all time favorite you know oh, old, yeah. old classical Hollywood actors, and 
he's just yeah and i think he's kind of like oh man i'm he's probably like i I should retire (laughs) at this point (laughs) but um he didn't he kept acting until like the the i think he was just fit wrapped on something right before he died actually so my favorite film of his is still magnificent seven uh-huh. But I can say that about a lot of actors because that's one of my favorite movies. Of, yeah, there's a lot of great, <laughs> there's a lot of great classical actors in that. So yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, I think for you know as far as Hudson Hawk goes, this one, uh, this one what, just did about, not um, do it for me at all. Yeah, well, here's some interesting things about it. So the Butler character, mm-hmm. I don't remember the actor's name who played the Butler, but um, he's the biggest badass in this entire movie with his like. Uh, what is it arm swords and uh yeah he's just great character um he seems to be fully like a little bit more fully realized than he's a better villain than the villains are in this movie i should say like a better foil to the heroes yeah um, i would agree liked that character a lot loved the arm the the like retractable arm swords um very cheesy very cool um that's the kind of stuff this movie that's good in this movie um not necessarily every line or, you know, the script is kind of hit or miss. There's some really funny lines in it, but there's also some, like, really awkward, like... Well, I mean, just the story itself is a little bit convoluted and um, unnecessarily at points, too. Like, yeah, but... So, um, yeah, I mean, what the, else did I put down that I like? The, the paralyzed scene I brought up earlier, that's funny. That one's they, not bad. They get a toxin put in them where they're paralyzed from the neck down and... I don't know, are posed and very fun. They keep kind of falling down and getting, I don't know. That's so, it's fairly funny. It, it gets less funny when all of a sudden tons of people are paralyzed. So, you know, it's again, they took a good thing and did too much with it. But, I, I would say, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there are scenes that are good, but strung together. It's, Oh, it, you know what I do love about it is the cat blur burglars, um, time all of their, um cat burglaries by singing independently singing songs and the the timing of the songs is how they know exactly how long the robberies are taking i thought that was a really cool um little mechanism for it and also yeah some 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 good classical you know americana jazz vocal stuff on the soundtrack which is interesting for the 90s and i know bruce willis was big into that he recorded a couple albums himself of that sort of thing yeah, uh, I mean, like that, heard, that mechanism I thought was a cute and kind of a clever concept. I just didn't feel mm-hmm. like it was executed well in this. So, again, it was like, yeah, I see what they're going for. Everything when I was watching this, I'm like, I see what you guys are going for. It's just not, everything is just kind of falling short. So, yeah. I, I give them credit for the ideas. I think this has a lot of good ideas in it. It's just they don't, they don't crystallize it's almost I, like it, it feels a bit bloated as a result of having all of these little components i think you know given given a better script and and kind of a different maybe tone it down a little bit with the you know the slapstick and just kind of all the humor being all over the place like going from looney tunes to i don't know um early 90s i, I mostly it's slapstick you know what this actually reminds me of is um, it's not really a 90s movie. It reminds me of a lot of 60s, like, farce movies. Um, and not as good as any of them I'm about to mention, but, like, the Pink right. Panther films, or... Yeah. Uh, if you've ever seen, um, John Huston's movie with Woody Allen, the Casino Royale, which is not an official Bond film, but based on one of Ian Fleming's novels, 
Mm-hmm. It's basically a, it's 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 Austin Powers before its time. It's a farce of the right or in like James Flint. Bond. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like just being kind of farcical uh, um, adventure, yeah, spy adventure films. But that this that's kind of what this reminds me of, especially the J, uh, John Huston's Casino Royale film, because that's like that's one of those off the wall like really. It's actually really terrible, and it's got so many great people in it, from Woody, Woody Allen and Peter Sellers and um, David Niven and um, Ursula Andress, and the mm-hmm. list goes on and on. It's one of those just packed with people. Uh, it's a 60s film, um, everyone who's everyone, anyone in the 60s. But uh, it's not great, because I feel like it just, like, it went way too... It did way too much with it. And uh, if it was a little more subtle, it might have been great. And I think that's maybe what i think about hudson hawk as well why it's going to get the score it got for me is it's not fantastic it could have been much better if it was a little more subtle if the humor was a little more steady it didn't jump all over the place from being you know adventure comedy to slapstick to whatever the looney tunes crap was to i don't know but yeah, I, I would say in they... general in general i found it enjoyable i did not have this the the reaction that you did with finding it boring or or um, not being able to get through it, I did like it. I only had to turn it off because I was, you know, had to take kids were waking up or something, and I had to, uh, you know, turn it off sure. and start again the next day. But yeah. this one, I, I would say my biggest summary of, of my criticism with it is it tries it, it lets its intended style, meaning the 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 different styles of comedy they're trying to do and mimic and parry, they let the style get in the way of the storytelling. And, and, yeah, it points, and I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. yeah, and as a result, it, it took me out of it more times than it pulled me in. So that's, but yeah. but you know I so again kind of like we talked about last week. Here's a film that I think I get what they were trying to do, and I think it would have worked. Like do a film that kind of parodies the styles of the of the adventure films, the American adventure films. Okay, going all the way back to like almost vaudeville level, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, I just think it was overshot. And as a result, they, they focused more on that. And, and it was, personally for me, it was hard to follow the story because the style got in the way. And uh, I've, I've actually criticized that from some other directors, I think. And we mentioned uh, Tim Burton last week um, yeah. as somebody who was, who was a chosen director for that film. Um, <laughs> and it, it's... That's something one of my personal criticisms about Tim Burton today. Unpopular opinion, I know, is that his more modern films yeah, he has let style. I actually style. think that it's a fairly popular opinion. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I have the unpopular opinion of being a huge fan of his. But mm. anyway, yeah, sorry, but, didn't yeah. Cut you off. no, no. I just I think that you know that's something that he has started to fall into um, is that you know style over story, where you know if if it's getting in the way of me understanding the story, then not enjoying it but just understanding it then that's maybe a, a, a problem but again just just my opinion on it so i guess uh if you had to give this one a grade what would you give it um you know i gave it a c plus so i think it was generally it, to me it was generally pretty enjoyable and let's put this like again i'm going to put it in a frame of reference as in it was enjoyable like in the same way something like it, it again they're superior films but buckaroo bonsai big trouble in little china is because it's just really unique kind of quirky adventure comedy films and and 
I think the comedy is a little more emphasized here in Hudson Hawk than it is in the other two films that I mentioned, but uh, it reminded me of those enough to like, and, and generally I found it to be amusing. It's not perfect. There are points like, like you said, where I, I do think that the, the style of humor kind of gets in the way of what they're trying to do. And that is created, I mean, this was, this was intended to create a franchise, right? So I, I think they're, they're going over the top, got in the way of their goal of creating a, a character that everyone is going to, you know, relate to enough where they want to see multiple films starring, you know, Hudson Hawk. Um, but I strongly believe that this was not as bad as critics said it was in 1991. Like this thing got raked over the coals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in, in a lot of ways, it's a little bit ahead of its time, of its time, because if you remember films and obviously you do, cause we talk about tons of them on this show, but films of this era were not very, I don't know, not very aware of themselves. Like, Tongue in Cheek was not popular in 1991 right. that I remember. Like, no. that is not something. So, in that way, and I'm not going to go on record, I don't want anyone to quote me as saying, Hudson Hawk is ahead of its time, which they could, because I just said that in in sequence. But um, <laughs> it is it is a little bit, in a way, ahead of its time, because I think something like this now is much more acceptable to us. Like, I, I Will Ferrell and Adam McKay have made a career out of doing, like, crazy off-the-wall stuff like this. Yeah. Um, so, although, I mean, whoever he's working with now, I know Adam McKay's moved on to doing uh, more serious films, but uh, supposedly Holmes and Watson was a disaster, but anyway. Yeah, that's what I've heard, too, and I think that's <laughs> one of the differences, like, why why the Will Ferrell-Adam McKay stuff worked as comedies um, being off-the-wall is that the arguably arguably i guess a matter of, of, of opinion and taste um mm-hmm. the jokes landed they were funnier in this case the, yeah. the humor is not effective like so the so part of this isn't just hamming it up but also there's a lot of intended jokes in this and honestly i yeah. felt like every one of them fell flat many of them do fall flat and i don't think that means it's an unfunny movie like there are moments of of stuff that works but yeah I, I agree there's there's a lot of stuff that doesn't too yeah so i mean i Plus, guess that's why i'm not giving it an a obviously. right, like, right. I, it's it's a flawed film i found it enjoyable though i would watch it again it's not a bad movie in my opinion uh it's it's one of those you got to have the right audience for like it's one of those turn on and have a couple drinks and and laugh and be like it, it, it's a little bit of it's so bad it's good like we talked about mm. with some of the silent night deadly night movies like this one almost works in that way and it's not quite a cult movie because it's, you know, obviously big budget and a lot of money, like you said, went into supporting this thing or promoting yeah, this yeah, thing. Yeah, I think the studio out, lost but... $50 million oh, God, on yeah. this one. Yeah, so, so personally, it... I, I, I know this is one of the rare times when, when there's a dissent in our reviews. I think it's happened with one of yeah. our Silent Night, Deadly Night movies. but It's been um, happening a lot lately. A Man, bit... I don't even know you anymore. No, no I, I got to give, <laughs> I gotta give, personally, I got to give this one an F. It just oh, it man. fell flat for me in every possible way, um, and I like self-aware movies. I like the, all of the. If you have a movie where there's a lot of Looney Tunes style comedy going on, if that's the okay, cool. If if you're gonna do one where it's the the self-aware and I don't know, let's just say it, you know, the ridiculousness that just occurs, great. I'm okay with it too. But just to throw everything in the kitchen sink in with this one and getting in the way of, of telling a coherent story in my opinion it just it got in the way too much for me um, yeah. where it did not hold my interest very much um, 
and I felt like a lot of the the intended jokes just fell really flat and I my memories of this movie I think I may have seen it once before but it clearly had no impact on me because I didn't remember any of it um, and I'll have to admit that I'd some that same a lot of that same phenomenon happened with me as well like I yeah. I was I was under the impression I'd never seen this before and then once I started watching it I was like oh okay I think I have yeah actually seen this probably a long time ago but there's some familiar elements mm-hmm. in it and obviously it didn't stick in my memory yeah. either my but, biggest memory um, about it is kids talking about seeing it or wanting to see it when i was you know in third or fourth grade and yeah but then i never heard anything about it after my that week <laughs> biggest memory of it was actually renting the nintendo game mm. and playing it and finding it too hard for my seven-year-old self and returning it in exchange for something else which i did a lot they always let me do at the, the local video store i could but if i didn't like the nintendo game i rented they always let me swap them for free that's cool <laughs> so uh that's all i remember about it but i, I do remember it being distinctly i think i said earlier but distinctly under the belief that this was a huge popular movie because of the fact that it had a nintendo game and only like the biggest movies had those right at the time yeah. so right right uh, this was i think, I think when it, we started learning that that wasn't always true yeah (laughs) so i the last thing i wrote down my last note on this movie is and this is i think kind of sums up my my feelings about hudson hawk is that it's almost so bad it's good but the fact that it's so self-aware kind of works against that like you can't call it a so bad it's good movie when they were trying to yeah i don't know so it's 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 a fail at the end of the day but i think it's a pleasurable watch still so i'm, I'm gonna stick with that c plus I, I actually kind of i kind of enjoyed revisiting this one not oh. sure it's gonna be in heavy rotation but it's yeah i liked it i actually gave that a better grade than i did drop dead fred weird i don't know ah, well hey that's <laughs> cool and that's you know what like i said people i invite our listeners please to chime in um this is not a movie i ever hear anyone talk about like, yeah, drop dead friend kind of, pops up forgotten. every now and then. This one does not ever come up. So if if um, do you have an opinion on this movie, or do you do you know why team, that might be? Or you gonna be on Team Eric or Team Joe? Yeah, that's for this right. One. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, in anything like this movie or any movie that we reviewed on the Video Junk Card podcast, just make sure, or if you have any opinions or you have a review of them yourselves um write it up send it to us via email facebook twitter however you want to get in touch with us and we will definitely read it on the show and just for giving us a review we'll send you some stuff as well we got a big bag of stuff kind of like santa claus waiting to (laughs) waiting to get out there i've got a gift for you (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's uh anyway we're way past christmas by the point this airs so i should probably stop with the christmas references yeah, but anyway but yeah so if, if you take the time to write it I'm, i say it every week and it's it's a becoming a catchphrase if you take the time to write it we'll take the time to read it but i mean that Absolutely. uh any reviews that you want to send our way we'll definitely include on the show uh looking forward to hearing from everybody yeah and uh yeah that's all next, i got for tonight next week uh we are going to be talking about the first of our two part no we're doing one big show aren't we we're doing one yeah, show one, big show. one yep. show that covers two stephen king uh tv miniseries um should we just say which ones do you think yeah what, let's, what they let's are? go ahead at so this we're, we're gonna be uh we're gonna be covering the original uh miniseries of salem's lot Yes, they did and, do two. There's a yeah. there's a more modern one with Rob Lowe. It's not that one. It's the original Toby Hooper directed. Um, I believe 
everybody out there correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was actually the first Stephen King television miniseries. So. I believe miniseries, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then we're also going to be covering the kind of less famous but equally interesting, well, to, at least enough for us to talk about, uh, Tommyknockers, which yeah, you had I... mentioned before uh, that that's one you hadn't seen since it first aired, and yeah. I think I've seen seen it once since then, but not enough where I rem- not recently enough where I remember it very much. So yeah, I mean, I do love me some Jimmy Smiths. So I think well, uh, who doesn't? Well, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> so I'll at least find uh, him enjoyable, I'm sure, and, and I mean that. I he's an actor I love. So, um, but yeah, I, I I haven't seen it. I remember I have like these distinct mint. You know, I was a big Stephen King fan. From it was funny. It, it, Really quick, funny story. Um, I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies. I, I say that over and over again. If you've ever listened to the podcast, you've heard that story. Um, but I started reading novels at a fairly early age. So by like third, fourth grade, I was picking out, going to the library and picking up Stephen King books and stuff. And my mom basically, I, I think they had called him and like, well, he's checking out stuff that's, you know, adult material essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, said like, well, you know, if if he's okay to read it or he's advanced enough to read it, let him read it. And so yeah. Stephen King became my portal to this world, to the you know, horror and all of my kind of, so kind of kindled my um, interest. So this Tommy knockers, I think was the first time I remember it airing, but I wasn't super aware of what it was. I saw a little bit of it on TV. I think I probably uh, was told I wasn't supposed to watch it. And I, so I didn't, I never saw the whole thing um, till later. And, um, I think Tommy Knockers was the first one that I was like dead set on. It's Stephen King. I read Stephen King. I, I like Stephen King. I'm a fan of his, and I know this is going to be on TV, and I'm going to record it on my videotape and like watch it over and over again. So I probably watched it a few times. Hmm. But we're talking. I was probably, you know, over third, fourth grade. So I was probably ten years old, nine years old, the last time I saw this. So oh wow, and I and I loved it. But I'm not sure that's a good <laughs> like. So I'm interested to go back and look at it. I think I saw this one. That's probably a really long story for within, that. But, yeah. Within the last ten or fifteen years, that's a lot. I've seen it within that. Um, yeah, I think I think when I was in, in graduate school at NIU, there was the a video store where you could rent VHS for like a dollar, not even a dollar. I think it was less than that, or just buy them really cheap, and. Uh, I think we we got a hold of a copy and watched it and yeah, but I don't really remember it much. In fact, when we were talking about oh yeah, we're gonna cover Tommy Knockers, I went up and just looked up some YouTube videos of it for some certain scenes that I vaguely remembered. And yeah, I'm gonna need to watch just the whole thing. It's weird because I know I was fairly young at the time, eight eight to ten years old whenever it came out, but um, I have some distinct memories of some scenes from that movie, so it'll be interesting to rewatch it. But. Well, and speaking anyway. of Stephen King, just to mention it real quick, I, uh, I recently started uh, the audiobook for It, which I'd actually never read the book It. So I'm, I've uh, read I, 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 three times in my life. I've read part of It. I've never gotten through the whole thing. So yeah, so I'm hoping that you know Audible is going to come through on this one and. It's so yeah. far. I've gotten further in it so far than I ever had reading it. So yeah, it's on my wish list on Audible as well. So yeah, very good. So, but otherwise, anyway, sure tune in next week so we can talk more Stephen King. Uh, yeah, and well, after that, we um, we're looking at um, a couple more horror films: Night of the Demons, I think, yep. and then Event Horizon on the next, which is both those yeah. I'm excited about. Yes, me so. too. Me too. Both of those are favorites of mine. So. I uh, want to thank everybody again, once as usual, for uh, tuning and listening. Uh, leave, Drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. 
and uh, feel free to subscribe on SoundCloud. Make sure you never miss an episode of the Video Junkier podcast. This is Joe Peterson. And this is Eric O'Branson. Everyone have a good night. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter, at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram, as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. <laughs>